Google is evil. Mr. Reagan. Hello, everybody. I'm here with the famous or infamous, depending on uh, who you are, Zach Voorhees. Now, you guys might remember Zach from a few years back. He was the notorious Google whistleblower. And uh, Zach is out with a new book. Say hi to everybody, Zach. Hey, how you doing, everyone? This is my new book. That's the new book. It's called, it's called Google Leaks, and it's all about him being awesome and being a whistleblower about Google and Google's bias, essentially. Now, um, we're going to get into what's new. What is new about Google? What's in this new book? It's all very exciting. I know Zach actually from some uh, meetings that I go to, some secret conservative meetings out here in LA. And we, I've been meeting to have him on the show for a long time because, as you guys well know, YouTube censorship is just atrocious. My channel just gets wrecked. Every single video should be 10 times what it is, but I get something like 20,000 views a video now, which is just weak considering what I used to get. But um, What did you used to get? For the last couple of years, I've been averaging about 100,000 views per video. Wow. And it's and it's pretty colla- it's collapsed pretty severely to about twenty thousand views per video, but uh, I actually think I sh- should have been growing for a long time even more than that. Um, but before we get into it, we're going to talk about why Zach's famous. What what was the first thing Zach blew up at Google? All right, so Zach, I want to discuss why you are famous. What was the initial, you went to Project Veritas originally, and actually you went to the DOJ, I believe, and gave them all the documents on Google because you realized that what uh, Google was doing was really nefarious and they were violating people's First Amendment rights, I feel like, even though they're a private company, I still feel like it's a violation of First Amendment rights because I don't think of freedom of speech as a legal right. I think of it as a human right. So tell me what you broke in that initial exposure of Google. Yeah, well, um, Chris, thank you for having me on the show. It's really good to be here. Um, And, you know, basically my experience at Google is that I saw them go from a libertarian style organization that was everything that's good about corporatism to just everything that's absolutely bad about corporatism, unelected bureaucracy coming up there, deciding how culture is going to run, shaping and molding the information landscape according to their corporate values. Like this, well, their, their, is- their, their, their corporate value was supposed to be, their motto is, uh, don't be evil, right? Yeah, they did change that though to do the right thing. But what they still have today as their mission statement is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And corollary to that, they came to Congress and testified that, you know, Google was a politically neutral company and they didn't have any political filtering. And I, as an insider, just saw this and was just like, this is a total lie. Right, like the idea that we don't use blacklists. Like I literally just typed in blacklist into the MoMA internal search engine of Google, and immediately got brought. Well, let me just show you over here. Um, uh, I I saw this YouTube blacklist, you know, yeah. and I went in there, and the name of it. Well, let me just grab the PDF. Is literally blacklist, okay? And this blacklist 
That's incredible. It's not like they were even trying to hide it from the. They weren't even trying to hide from it. the employees, right? And it's like under this name, like Super Root YouTube, YouTube controversial query blacklist. And as an insider, I was like, well, they're obviously just like they don't even care. They're just lying, like boldface lying to Congress and perjuring themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that Google was going into this orientation of just bringing a totalitarian system onto every single person that used their service, which is 90% of the people in the United States, right? Like just to get yeah. the idea of the scale and a large chunk of the world themselves. Yeah. And as someone that believed in the corporate values of the company, you know, back in 2008, um, uh, it was just heartbreaking to see this company. And I, I kept on being in denial. I was like, well, they're going to turn it around. They're going to turn it around. They're not going to go past this line of craziness. Mm-hmm. But every single time that I put a line down, Google crossed it, just blew right past it like it wasn't even there. And I remember, I remember when this all broke. And I also remember there was a video that leaked of, it wasn't, it, I don't remember who it was over at Google, but they were presenting to Google employees their case for not letting something like Trump winning the 2016 election ever happen again. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And now, so quick question, because you broke this story and you exposed Google and all this kind of stuff and you gave your uh, stuff to the DOJ, um, has there been any consequences at all for Google uh, for this kind of bias and and perjuring themselves? Um, You know, there was... A bunch of investigations that were opened up under Trump, uh, 52 attorney generals. So that includes like pretty much every single state in the two territories got together and pursued um, antitrust violations on Google. And I was like, yay, this is actually materialized into something. Um, And then there was recently like a setback in that uh, case. I'm not familiar with with the details of it, Uh, but it looks like Google may get away um, with a lot of what they've done with the censorship. And what's interesting is that even though they're in violation of Section 230, they're really not trying to even make the Section 230 argument anymore. They're, they're trying to say it's a free speech thing. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, and when I started off with this, I didn't realize how corrupt the entire judicial system was going to be. I thought there was still some semblance of holding, you know, these oligarchs accountable under the yeah. law. And, um, and so far that hasn't happened. Um, you know, obviously COVID-19 has been a really big deal mm-hmm. and, um, and this whole election debacle has been a slow moving dumpster fire and it looks like nothing is going to be able to be done until, you know, maybe the Republicans are able to grab back control because there's a massive wave of people that are just fed up with the entire DNC globalist sort of cartel that's uh captured american politics have you uh were, were you paying attention when uh jen Psaki essentially just admitted that the biden administration is directing facebook on who they should censor right they've got a direct connection and this is some of the things that we've seen like we've seen that there was a direct connection with the dnc party members mm-hmm. you know adam schiff uh you know giving marching orders uh, to Twitter and Facebook and Google. And they've got this like inside track telling them what they want to censor and what they right, want to see right. boosted. And that's really come out that they're basically a functionary of the DNC and the public masters behind that organization. 
Well, to me, if the federal government is directing Facebook to censor specific people, that is, in fact, a violation of the First Amendment. They're, they can't hide behind freedom of speech. You know, this idea that they have, you know, as a private corporation, they have freedom of speech um, because they are in cahoots, essentially, with the government yeah. to violate people's First Amendment rights. So even, I mean, t- personally, I don't even think that these companies should be allowed to suppress people's political s- speech. But I- if you are going to make that argument, that whole argument flies out the window as soon as Jen Psaki admits that the federal government is instructing them. And I'm curious if you think that this is also happening with Google, uh, with YouTube, um, this sort of thing. You know, this is obviously your area of expertise. This is where you come from. Right. Well, there's a centralized sort of mentality of censorship. And that system is called machine learning fairness. And when I disclosed this in 2019, I was really trying to hit you know, home with the fact that, yes, there's this thing, it's called machine learning fairness. It's infecting every single one of Google's services. I'm talking Google search, Google news, YouTube, and, you know, yes. And so the fact that they've got this sort of pipeline to Google, they say, oh, this is what we want. This is what we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, that gets baked into their machine learning classifiers and rolls out, you know, as soon as the next day, and then all of a sudden, the entire news ecosystem is being changed in real time and rebiased and re-ranked according to the whims of the DNC. And well, this is actually really fascinating. So what you're saying is that the influence that the federal government has on these social media companies is inextricable. Once it's in there, it's in there. It's 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 so integrated that it can't be removed. I, that's what I'm getting from you. And, and it's, it's such an integral part of how they censor people that their censorship is, at least in part, a function of government censorship of the, of the public. Right. Google's acting as a quasi-state actor, as is Facebook, mm-hmm. as is Twitter. You know? And not only that, but they're also operating as an unregulated lobbyer. Right. You know? Like, we have all these, all this, like, all these laws. Like, Dinesh D'Souza did prison time, I think, because he donated like $10,000 to someone to run in a democracy to challenge, you know, this incumbent. And he didn't man, he didn't do the paperwork right in donating, giving money away to his friend and ended up doing hard jail time. And well, I think he admitted that he knew that what he was doing was technically illegal, but his position was that the spirit of the law is that the, re- the reason you're not supposed to give over a certain amount is because of the undue influence you might have. And he recognized that he had no interest in influencing that particular candidate. He just wanted them to win because they were a friend of his. I think that's his position. Right. And the thing is, is that um, they're going to come down hard on an individual because they gave too much money. But, you know, money is about undue influence. And Google has undue influence, though, and that, ha- that undue influence has a dollar amount, right? If they're boosting up Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, you know, those are equivalent to campaign donations to that candidate. Yeah, and, and-, and it's not just undue influence. I think it's unprecedented influence. Mm-hmm. In the history of the country, you've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything um, like it. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's... There's so much here that's new and that needs to be gone over. And I want to get back to that in a minute. Um, 
we'll close on maybe what we do about that. Um, but first, let's talk about what's new because you got this new book out. You got a couple of new insights, a couple of new revelations. Um, so what's the crux? Why should people buy this book? If you guys are a reader, if you like reading, I do highly recommend getting this. Um, to me, this is very important to me personally because obviously I am censored uh, by social media, not just YouTube, but also Twitter and, um, and Facebook. So, um, but yeah, but YouTube is the worst for me. Uh, and so, and this is one of the reasons why I've wanted to have you on the show for so long. Uh, but let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book. What is it? What should people know that's in this book, uh, you know, that you can give away now? Um, and then obviously we're not going to give away everything because we want you to buy it. <laughs> but, uh, but give us some, give us some uh, stuff. Give, give us some stuff. Yeah, some in the book, tidbits. Some let's do it, right? Like, okay, so the big story that Trump just tweeted about is the fact that, you know, I disclosed that Google rewrote their entire news algorithm in order to target Trump. And that's what's in this book right now, which is so popular, um, is the details of how the sausage is made. And sometimes, you know, Chris, people just ought to know how the sausage is made. And so what are we looking at here? We're looking at signals analysis of uh, information that's on the internet. Um, this is a news story. It gets broken down into chunks. Those chunks are then data mined for signals. Um, and that's a more complex version of the, of the same thing. This is how news is broken down in Google. Yes, there's systems called HiveMind. They like to Google likes to name their things like Borg and HiveMind and yeah, I'm thinking like it's it's like they want to be a Bond villain. It's like yeah. hey guys, hey guys, we're, don't be evil unless you're us. You know, I know, right? It's like it's like the Borg, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. it's like so evil. But what's really evil is the fact that they rewrote their news algorithms during the Trump Comey debacle mm -hmm. and. The reason why they wanted to rewrite their algorithms is because what they want to do is that they want to get similar stories uh, combined together into a mega story that spans five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days. And so what you see here with this Trump Comey thing is how they, they designed a system around this fight in order to get the similar stories and figure out how to, how to merge them together. And by folding and merging these stories in together, they're able to keep the news at the top of the search index whenever you were searching for something about Trump or, or, or Comey. They're like, oh, well, right. this, this story right here is boosted up so much mm -hmm. that it's going to take precedence over every other organic search result, yeah. right? Like, let me just give you an example. You know, and, 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 and the news at the time was reliably negative against Trump. And a lot of it was false against Trump. Uh, but it didn't matter. They wanted that those news stories, those false, misleading, negative news stories about Trump, they wanted that at the top of every search result. That's what you're saying. Yes. And let me give you an example, right? Like, if um, there's like this whole like Trump kids in cages sort of thing, yeah. and then people were pointing out, no, actually, those pictures were from Obama. And so you try to like find that sort of information in Google, which is designed to help you find information, by the way. And what you saw is that all the articles were just leading you back into anti-Trump rhetoric and yeah. saying, no, it's, you know, kids in cages, Trump, it fact check, blah, 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 blah. And no matter what the news cycle was, even if it was really damaging for the deep state, 
you would just see articles that were constructed so that they would redirect users back into anti-Trump sentiment and hijack what it was, the information that they were searching for. Yeah. And you, you've seen this in other things like, you know, you know, type any three digit number and then cases and then like something will pop up. Like some city has that number of cases. Yeah. Like this is an example of, um, you know, sort of data bombing and poisoning mm -hmm. the search results. It's an analytics based uh, way to write your article so that you can uh, capture the search flow the next day of people trying to find out information and redirect it back into the narrative that the MSM wants those people to be corralled into. And now I've, I've noticed this with COVID a lot. Mm -hmm. If you look up any, anything that contradicts the mainstream media's narrative on COVID, you will be directed to the mainstream media's narrative on COVID. So like if I look up the term masks don't work, right? And there's, there's plenty of studies that show um, a sort of a lack of ability for ma you know, surgical masks to um, restrict the transmission uh, or inhibit the transmission of viruses, right? Because surgical masks were intended to inhibit the transmission of bacteria, not viruses. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you will find those studies. You can find those studies, but it's really hard. Yeah. And you can find articles talking about those studies, but it's really hard. And if you get into an argument, and this is one thing that I found that it, we used to be able to say, Google it. You know what? Let, we're in an argument. Let's Google it. Yeah. We can't really do that anymore. Because no. if we're in an argument, we say, Google it. It's so reliably going to give you the left, leftist perspective even if that's wrong. And I always have to tell people, look, you have to dig a lot deeper than just Googling it now. It used to be Google it, now you, you can't. And, and I think that what you're talking about here in this book really explains that. Yeah, and what's really dangerous is now we've got AI that can write articles, right? I don't know if you've heard about this GPT-3 that Elon No, I, this is cr that's crazy. I haven't yeah. really heard about that. So the a big story- Is this that, like an aggregate? Is this, is this aggregate information from other articles? Is that what it does? Yeah, kind of. What it does is it's, um, it, it, it goes through and it just like consumes like all of Wikipedia and like every news article ever, ever written by anyone. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then it, it's basically a super advanced auto-completion tool, like the one that is on your iPhone when you're typing and it's like trying to give you suggestions. And sometimes mm -hmm. you can just mm -hmm. kind of hit, hit the auto suggestion. It'll actually type out and yeah, it'll sentence. type out sentences. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. You know, it's just fascinating. It's a fun game sometimes. Yeah. Well, if you take that to its um, super advanced version and level it up all the way, you're basically going to get GPT three, mm. which can reason and actually code. Like you can, it's amazing. You, you can give it like the just the function declaration for a piece of programming code, and it will write the definition, inline it directly into it. In fact, this is what Microsoft is doing because they've got an exclusive license to do this exact thing, right? I mean, and, if it wasn't so concerning, it would be truly incredible. Yeah, it's truly incredible, but it's going to be one of these problems because now um, we're not going to be able to trust words pretty soon. Because the AI is coming through and you can just, you just type in like five words for what your sentences, what you want your article to be. And it'll just type out the entire article based on articles that have come out in the last 24 hours. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it, I'm glad I have a YouTube channel as long as we can. And, and so here's a question. Do we live in 1984? 
Uh, we George, live, George Orwell's 1984, I should specify. It's, it's weird. It's kind of a mix of 1984 and Brave New World. Yeah. You know, uh, there's so many distractions at the same time that there's so much censorship happening at the same time. It's like, oh, I'm really sad about the censorship. But like, you know, there's like games and VR and um, yeah. crazy ways to spend your time. That's right. Um, thinking about all the different genders and stuff. And so it's like, it's like a mishmash. Uh, between 1984 and Brave New World. And if, if you at home haven't seen Brave New World or read it, it's a yeah. whacked out book. It, it'll <laughs> blow your mind. Like 1984 will. Not quite as good as your new book, Google Leaks. Ha. <laughs> a <laughs> but, classic. Uh, but an excellent, a classic of literature. We uh, wanted to get all of this into an archive format because like there's a there's 950 pages that I disclosed, right? And so yeah. I was like, I had this problem. Where I was trying to tell people what was going on and I was able to get bits and pieces of it, but I was like jumping around a lot and I was like, we got to sit down. We got to get the whole story out from start to finish. And if I do that, then I'll be able to reach the left. And guess what? We've reached the left. Kirkus reviews have given this book, uh, the recommendation for, um, the readers. And I love this that. is, yeah, they are a very leftist organization. And, uh, and for them to give us praise and say at the bottom a powerful case against Google that deserves readers' attention. Amazing. Like this I love that. is the moment that this story breaks through for every single person on the planet. Yeah, because this it really isn't a left-right issue. This is a human rights issue. Yes. I mean, pe people, people consider freedom of speech a very American legal right. You know, it's in our constitution. It's our first amendment. It's very critical to the law, but it's also just a basic human right that, that that's the reason that it's our first amendment. That's the reason it's so critical and integral to the law is because it is a human right. And if you strip people of that human right and you say, well, you don't get that human right because this company gets that human right, right? Because it really is, it really is um, you're taking from one group and giving it to one entity. Right, mm -hmm. you you get your civil right of freedom of speech, and that and the expression that you have of that freedom of speech is censoring all these people's freedom of speech. That does not work in in, in anywhere in the world because it is such to me it is such a, a fundamental human right, and it is. I think Rowan Atkins said that the first most important thing in life is to be able to eat to survive, right, and the second most important thing is your freedom of expression, your freedom to speak. And I love that. So moving on from that, I, I assume that you agree. You can say yes, yes. or no. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> Just get that on the record. So, uh, but, but let's move on to what do we do about this? Because I have my ideas. I, I want to hear yours. And if, then if you don't agree with me, I'll tell everybody you're wrong and I'll tell them my ideas. No, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> no um, but, but I, let's talk this through. How do we fix all of this? Because this, I mean, obviously we're in a bad spot and this stuff does need to be addressed. Yeah. Um, so I've, I guess I've got a different opinion than most of the people. I think that right now, like uh, the whole system is flying apart. Um, yeah. The technology revolution is, um, it started off at the edges and then as it's starting to work towards the core of our society, like right now it's hitting um, communications, how uh -huh. we, you know, how uh -huh. we disseminate video. And now I, I've actually heard that they're going to start censoring 
like phone conversations, like yeah. phone co- like text messages. Well, everything's text somebody apart. something about COVID. They'll actually censor your COVID text and say, yes. actually, this is wrong. Things like that. They're, they're going to check for misinformation, which is the I was joking about that like a few months ago. And now it's, and now it's, it's rumored here. as real. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Right. And uh, yeah. And I think what's happening is that we're, we're basically experiencing the birth of a new civilization. Um, you know, I, it's really interesting. People have like this communism. That's a pretty radical thing to say, Zach. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I'm not a communist. I'm not a capitalist. Like, I think that the whole system's about to fly apart because, look, empires used to really value their their slaves because those slaves, the hands of the slaves, built yeah. the empire and gave yeah. them the war machine necessary to conquer land. True. But now the value of human labor and intellect is approaching zero, right? With mm-hmm. automation and robots. And so, you know, the whole thing of like, well, I don't think work- we're quite there yet. I mean, if you, yet. Consider, you consider that China really developed through um, the exploitation of human labor. It still can be a very powerful force. It is. But in five years, it'll be a completely different game. And the thing is, is that these empires that in these militaristic empires, um, they, they had an agreement with people that, hey, we won't kill you and you, you slave labor for us and we'll like the Roman empire was like 20% slaves. Like we have to understand like how this labor system works. And then people, then machines came and then people started operating the machines and productivity went really crazy. Now the machines are about to manage the machines. Mm -hmm. And that means that um, everything of any value, which was predicated on human labor uh, is now essentially like worthless. And the only thing that has value right now are these, the machines that make the machines. And because of that, we now have internal contradictions with capitalism. We have internal contradictions with us, with like, you know, this communism and even communism itself is pretty much given up and they've reverted to like fascism. Like you can't really say that um, China's a communist system, even though they call it a communist party, they're more of a fascist system. And, um, and right now we're, we're, I think we're about to go into some sort of like uh, world war three. Um, and once we go into that, then the military is going to come and figure out what the new system is going to be and how humans are going to live alongside of AI that's um, orders of magnitude smarter than they are, uh, that obsoletes all of the total output of their, of their human endeavors. And we're going to have to figure out, do we meld with them? Do we, be, do we go into a welfare state? Mm-hmm. And so right so, now, so I, you think that the, the, the future as we, the, the world as we know it is, is inevitably going to disappear and we really just have to brace for impact. Yeah, that's exactly it. We got to brace for impact and we got to hold on for dear life and whatever games these elites are going to play, because they obviously have an agenda, uh, you know, we need to sort of, you know, sit back, take a breather and say, they want to do something. They want to bring the whole world into the next, you know, century and have this rebirth of civilization with this AI. And um, we need to little chill out a little bit and, um, and not get too emotionally involved and say, okay, what's going to happen right now is going to happen. And we need to figure out like, what are we going to do for our families? What are we going to do for our friends? How do we maintain our, 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 our relationships in this time of political division and upheaval. And I, I'm not sure I, I, I agree with you. My, in, in terms of, I'm not sure I have quite the same kind of cynical 
out outlook as you, at least not in such a near term, maybe 50 years, maybe, maybe longer, but, but not in the next five years, something like that. But, but you are, when you're talking about this, you really are talking about the bigger picture. Um, you know, everything, everything we do in life, everything that we know. Um, when we're specifically talking about the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech that's being censored right now, how do we, how do we deal with that? Do we deal with that? Do we try to fight back at all? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that one of the big existential threats right now are these AI systems that are going to be able to write whatever they want, and uh, we're not going to know whether they're human or not. So you think it's a hopeless endeavor to try to fight no, 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 censorship? No, I, well, we don't need censorship of human beings. But we do. We, we have censorship of human beings. Yeah, That's the issue. We, that needs to yeah. go away. And we need to censor AI. Like we need to license mm. it. We need to, we need to pull it down a little bit because if we don't, then you're going to get a godlike AI system that's going to come on the internet and just uh, funnel everyone into a false ideology and, uh, and wrestle control away of society from the people that are running it currently. And we don't want to have an AI that does that because that means. Well, hold on. That- so, do you think that if we are we are expressing, we we are publishing, um, any anything that has been created by an AI, and we're passing it off as ideas that are produced by a human being? You think maybe that should be made illegal? Something yes. like that. We okay. need to make it illegal. I mean, and it's hard. It's going to be hard to. Be made illegal but if you're not made by illegal then the ai is just going to run you know roughshod over mm-hmm. humans because it takes what, like what's 20 the- years to get information to our head and these ais can learn it in seconds right right um there's this idea um i forget what it's called it's a, like a science fiction idea when a human being when you cannot detect when you can't tell the difference between a human being and an ai turing test yeah that's it's the turing test but there's a moment that that in in science fiction with the idea of when that happens what's that that's that called singularity the, the singularity thank you so much uh-huh. i i forget my science fiction terms sometimes uh yeah yeah so this idea of the singularity that's really what we're talking about and so you're essentially talking about regulating the concept of the singularity you're talking about regulating um just passing off passing off AI as human beings. That needs to be regulated in some way, you think? Yeah, but it's more extreme than that. I think that with the disruption that's going to come, you're not going to be able to just regulate it with laws because AI is moving too fast. You pretty much need at some point um, kind of a military reset. Like they're going right. to, they need to seize the means of production of this AI. I think that's what's eventually going to happen given a decade. They're just going to seize it and they're going to control it. And then um, after the disruption, kind of like the invention of the Gutenberg printing press, like that yeah. led to like a whole 30 year war. Right. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what I believe is going to happen with this, you know, AI information revolution is, you know, it's going to end up in some sort of war and the military is going to have to stabilize things for a while. Um, and then once they stabilize it, then they'll figure out how the civilian government will look, you know, post fourth industrial revolution. Well, well, I disagree with you about uh, the military or or the government seizing control of any means of production. I, I, you know, I'm very much against giving any more control than is absolutely necessary to the government. I'm very much a small government right, guy. But but let's let let's look at my solution, my my sort of short term band aid solution to 
what's going on right now, this kind of stuff you're exposing at Google. Um, I believe that we absolutely, because a lot of people are saying, well, let's break up the big tech companies. I don't think that's going to be effective. I don't think it's going to help anything. I think we need to regulate them. To me, the regulation is very, very simple. You cannot censor people's speech and there needs to be a, a particular emphasis on the censorship of political speech. If political speech is censored, I think there needs to be some kind of consequence to these companies. They need to not be allowed to censor people. I mean, the idea that every major social media company has banned a sitting president, no longer sitting president, but you know what I mean? Like he's now a former president, but he was a sitting president when the ban took effect. To me, that is so egregious. That is such a violation of our entire democracy. The entire democracy is completely predicated on the flow of information, people getting accurate information. People do not have accurate information. Nobody's going to know who to vote for. Nobody's going to, going to know how to vote sometimes. I mean, you could, literally reg, you could literally control any kind of information now because, of, uh, you know, because it's, it's, the power is so concentrated. The flow of information is so concentrated. So, and you don't have any recourse. Like you get censored. There's no recourse. So the government, to me, needs to regulate these big tech companies. Do you not agree with that? Right. No, I agree with that. And, um, and the question is, do we regulate it by, you know, chaining down Google or do we regulate it um, by giving people digital rights similar to like, you can't discriminate someone based on race. Yeah. Well, you know, it turns out that you can discriminate someone by political affiliation, yeah. which yeah. is so weird because politics has become so racialized now that they, they keep that artificial distinction. And so the thing is, is that we really have two choices. Do we regulate Google or do we just say that you have the right to sue them if they're in violation of your rights? I really hope it's the latter because I would like to have the ability of non-discrimination, especially since I've been indoctrinated since the 90s and the 80s with, oh, everyone deserves you know liberal rights and all this kind of stuff. I almost feel like we just need to expand liberal rights to include the definition of political yeah. affiliation. And then that kind well, of solves the whole thing. What do you think? I, I'm, not, I'm not about, I, I would actually like to get rid of these um, you know, anti-discrimination laws. I think that people should be able to discriminate in any way they, they see fit. Um, you know, if somebody's discriminated against black people or white people or you know, Christians or Muslims or whatever, um, it's not going to look good on our society. I mean, we, we have a pretty, at least among white Americans, we have a very strong ethic against discrimination. So I don't right. think that needs to be written the law necessarily. Um, but I, I do agree with you that it might be better to give people the right to sue Google if they do censor them. Um, but I do think that then that, that has to be a regulation. You have to say, okay, Google, you're not allowed to censor people for political speech um, or, or maybe any kind of expression. And then if you do, they have the right to sue you. And suing Google or YouTube excuse me, has to be something that will hurt them, right? I mean, you have to be able to sue them for like tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions, because it's not going to hurt them to sue them for 10 grand or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going kind of in the same direction to some degree. I mean, we're talking it out. <laughs> right. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's on the right track because, you know, look, a lawyer will sue Google for free if they are pretty certain they're going to get money on the backside. 
you know, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's like pro, pro weird... bono case on behalf of you who has been censored. Right. And so you, you only need enough money available at, in damages to make that trade-off worth it for a lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, then the lawyers will go out and spend advertising dollars trying to get people that have been, you know, uh, discriminated against by Google. And then boom, yep. you'll just have this whole pipeline of people suing these companies and they'll be like, Hey, we don't want to censor someone because yep. we'll get a exactly right. Lawyers. It'll be like the ambulance chasers, except for a good cause. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. We got to get ambulance chasers onto Google censorship. <laughs> I love it. We've, we've solved the world's problems, oh, Zach. I love right it. Here. It just took an hour. All right, brother. Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for finally coming on the show. Uh, I know we've talked about it for ages. And, uh, and good to finally have you on here. Always love talking to you. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you at another one of these events we have here in California. Because, uh, you know, even though maybe we're not completely politically aligned, we have a lot of the same values in terms of you know, free expression, do the right thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I love the fact that you were a whistleblower. I think a true whistleblower that really did um, a lot of good, uh, at least in exposing Google. It, you know, if, if there isn't any legal consequence or something like that, you know, it's, it's, it's really quite tragic as far as I'm concerned. But I do think that this pushes us toward some kind of resolution, somewhere where we need to be. So uh, again, thank you for the blowing the whistle. And everybody, if you do read, if you are a reader, if you do like a good book, do get this book. It, it is a, it's called Google Leaks from Zach Voorhees, Zachary Voorhees. And you, you can find it. Where can you find it, Zach? Do you have a website? Uh, yeah, googleleaksbook.com, right up there. As you can see, you can actually read the uh, get a little preview of the book itself before trying and buying. And then if you want to buy it, um, it's available at Amazon. Um, getting pretty good reviews right now. We just released uh, like last week and uh, we're really happy with, uh, with the way things are going. People love the book. My God, the reviews that are coming in are just really great. And I, I, you know, marketing a book makes it so much better when the book is really great content. And I've spent a year birthing this book, meticulously going over, you know, uh, making sure that the book is a really fast book that you can't put down and that's what people are saying they say that they open it up and they can't put it down to the whole thing's done that's great man and and it took you a lot longer to write the book than that because you have all this this history before uh actually sitting down and writing the book um you know that set i knew one day it was going to be a book though because i was like i was living this thing and i was like dude this is like something out of a movie so let's you know and and now and now here we are so it should be a movie it really should be a movie. Google leaks, everybody. Go ahead and get it. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, thanks again, Zach. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that all liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much. That is not so. All right. Love it. <laughs> it's a quote from Reagan. It's a quote from yeah. Reagan. I always end with that. All right. Good night. This is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, Therein lies the road to war. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery.